Sit your derriere on the chariere. Let's get this straight. Itch manners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're watching... Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to Shanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. So here's what threw me. There's this thing on uh, Happy Days mm-hmm. that, that Fonzie always said, and I'm a 38-year-old person, and until I just said it out loud to my wife did I think, Wow, that's really raunchy. <laughs> yeah. And she would tell people like, hey, sit on it. And I didn't think twice about that as a child until I just said it. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, oh no. no. That could be taken so wrong. Speaking of taken wrong, what? Mm-hmm. we're what? talking about posture. We are. Um, My posture is terrible. Look at me right <laughs> now. Uh, talk to me about your experience with cotillion and posture. Oh, boy. Um, did they make you do the whole books on your head thing? They didn't do the books on the head thing because I'm not 300 years old. Okay. But um, there was a lot of like sitting up in the chairs and all that stuff. I mean, what also, man, I, I say I'm not 300 years old. I also, though, remember like having school desks that had like the fixed seat with like the curved wood back and the curved so it was like kind of posture enforcing Mm -hmm. like you really couldn't slouch in it unless you were okay being wicked uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um and i know now so listen can i tell you yeah i bought this little device because i'm Mm -hmm. a sucker for gadgets you sure are that it's supposed to like track your posture and basically what it does it has a little sensor in it that when you like slouch forward or move you know lean outside of a certain range it has you calibrate it like sitting up and looking forward move outside of a certain range it buzzes to remind you like hey sit back up the problem is is that assumes that you are either sitting or standing up and not like crawling on the floor after a child's toy <laughs> like looking under the couch because your dog dropped its butt or whatever and so like I was trying to like find a toy and she's going just get up man what are you doing <laughs> and I'm like, no, you know, I'm on all fours. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So that didn't last long. That no. Was, that, that experiment ended very quickly. Did you do the books on the head thing? Um, Only kind of in jest. So yeah, I know you're good at that. You got I, a nice flat head. I am very good at it. It, it. And that's exactly it. The top of my head is very flat. Mine is very pointed. So I, Not really. It's just really rough. I can balance quite easily. Uh, I think at one point I was using it as like a high school like parlor trick and I could balance like something silly like 10 science books or something that they did once. But like I I can do that, one, again, because my head, the top of my so head flat. is very flat. And two, because- You did a lot of head headstands as a kid. I mean, I did. Flattened it right out. Actually, <gasps> I don't think that that is what happened. But I do think that doing headstands probably- like prepared me for it. Okay. Headstands and I was in ballet for such a long time and posture is a big thing in ballet. Well, how you hold yourself, of course, yeah. Exactly. And and so it was kind of like it it was kind of like one of my little like Oh, look at me. My posture is so good. Wait, I'm would so you awesome. say would you say your posture is good now? Do you have good posture? I mean, 
I would say that the the stresses of life have made me have less good posture. But also, here's the thing, right? I went to acting school, and one of the things that you really have to do in order to make a character is to decide what their body is like, right? And if you always... How do they hold themselves? How do they hold themselves? And so one of the things that I was constantly getting notes on was like, well, they kind of just walk like you. They kind of just look like you. Mm. And so... Did you think about that in terms of like, are they chest-led? Are they hip-led? Are they nose-led? I mean, now. Yeah. That's what they were teaching me. Ah, yeah. And it also... A lot of my characters were chest-led, it turns out. uh, It also... uh, Affects your singing. So, like, if you're trying to constantly, like, do the ballet posture, which is um, your hips tucked under, but not so much that they pop out the front. So it's like a it's 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 not quite neutral hip. And also you're supposed to pull up, but keep your shoulders down and also not let your ribs splay in the front. It's it's a very do not get ripped open. (laughs) No matter what. No matter what. It's a very precise hold that you have to do while you're dancing ballet. And it's not good for singing. It just isn't. You need to be able to breathe into, like, your whole We have gone way far through. We're five minutes in, (laughs) and I don't even think we've explained the idea of posture. Posture is, like, how you hold yourself, right? How you hold your body when you're walking and sitting. Exactly. And straight posture has a whole storied past. I'm going to bet a lot of money and classism. Just a guess. Absolutely. Okay. Because there's a certain amount of privilege you have to have to worry about if you're sitting right or not. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you had the time to sit, that's one thing. You probably weren't working. But actually, so if you go back to when posture really starts to become a defining characteristic of the upper class, Mm -hmm. it actually has to go all the way back to the 16th century military drill formations. Okay, yes. Okay, I could see that. Uh, If you look at these paintings of military soldiers, they are like basically like the toy soldier like that we all think of where it's completely straight up and down. Mm -hmm. They almost look like their heads are kind of pointy and like they're so straight that to be that straight, you'd have to like wear high heels or whatever. Right. Right. So this is, I mean, I I assume I'm not a uh, military historian, but I assume that this is probably around the time where we start to see the kind of like rigidity of discipline being uh, that Absolutely. transition of like, oh, what we look for in a military is not like this wild, terrifying, intimidating bunch, uh, like coming up over a hill. We want people who like follow orders and can like learn to do this precision maneuver every time. Absolutely. Um, and it began. Uh, so there's a, a Flemish engraving from the period, and it was kind of like the idea was a pretty practical one. If you stood straighter and more evenly dispersed your weight along the spine, it'd be easier for you to handle weapons like muskets and pikes, right? So that makes a lot of sense to me, but it really just gets, like, overworked to the nth degree. Well, I mean, mean, not to jump ahead, but this is where you get into a lot of the discussions about, uh, you know, the American Revolution Mm -hmm. of, like, it was so formationed, formated, 
formaton, then <laughs> it was like so predictable and stuff that 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 was part of the uh, way that we won. We won was like because it was too organized. Um, and so while it may have started as helping out the people who were fighting for you, it became a way that you could enforce authority over the people you were training. Yeah. That's kind of what my gut told me, right? Posture could mold a man into a soldier. But it's more about, like, I mean, like like I said, I'm not a historian, but it seems to me like the theory of it would be about, like, how well can you follow my direction? Certainly. And if you don't, it gives me something to correct Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, without having it be, like, we were in battle and you got shot. Boo, right? It gives me something to correct off the battlefield to see how well you follow orders. Certainly. And during the 1700s, it evolved into an etiquette practice for the rich and, you know, fashionable. Well, once again, that makes complete sense to me, right? Because then you start to have that uh, that bleed over of, like, so much of the aristocracy was also, like— they went and served in this war and this, and now they're like captains and lieutenants and everything. And also they're rich, mm-hmm. right? So it's not separated. It is the aristocracy also tended to have those kinds of military titles. So they would Certainly. come home. Oh, you see it, man. It's, it's one of those like uh, pillars of toxic masculinity of that expectation of, uh, especially then they came home and would run their house like it was, you know, a military thing. Oh, you know? like in The Sound of Music. Exactly, in The Sound of Music. <laughs> uh, you said that like it's a cute thing he does in The Sound of Music. It's messed up. He whistles for his children. I have issues. Issues. You know, historically, they say that he was actually a very loving father, and Maria was the one who was a real disciplinarian. Uh, okay. Not as good of a musical, No, though. no, not as good of a Wouldn't musical. Wouldn't be as good if there was a moment where, like, the dad was like, what's her deal? <laughs> She's being kind of a jerk to you kids. Are you cool? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. We actually needed this level of discipline. He's like, do you guys want to do like your singing stuff? And they're like, no, no, no time for that, Dad. Maria's got us learning math over here. I mean, that's a different show. Yeah. How do you solve a problem like Maria? She's really bossy. (laughs) Hey, she's not bossy. She's the boss. Not yet. (laughs) I mean. Anyway, so for a fee, uh, you could go and get posture training from, you know, different people who set up shops saying, like, this is the way that we do it. We talk about this at finishing school, too. Exactly, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. There, was a, there was a hole in the market that people were ready to fill. Well, once again, it, it, this makes complete sense to me because from everything we've learned, uh, it, it's another way to prove, like, to set yourself as even more high class than high class, mm-hmm. right? Something you can judge other people on, which is the bad side of etiquette and manners, of to say like, well, we can't all be equally high class, so we need something that makes my daughter more high class than your daughter because they're both competing for rich, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, there were critics at the time. There were just as many people offering to, uh, you know, for a price, teach you how to be a straight back person and other people saying, like, this, this is unnatural. This yeah. is not what we should be doing. Well, but, I bet it, like, corsets had to be a big part of that, too, right? Like, corsets. Certainly. Well, corsets 
generally like lend themselves to a very stiffened yeah. posture. I mean, there are definitely as far as like fashion goes, the corset went through a couple of different kind of configurations. Yeah, we've done an episode on corsets. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but it it does really help with the like rigid idea of standing up straight. Definitely. Right. Um, and as time went on, posture became more and more of a feature in everyday civilian life. And it seemed to be more and more important to the culture to stand up straight. And it had a moral context to it by, uh-huh. by the 1800s. That's why you think of it, they're an upright citizen. Yeah. Literally. They're upright. Right. So sickness was for poor people, right, and for people who didn't go to church. And if you had the money, you could learn how to stand straight and you could all this kind of stuff. Like it it became where the line between posture and moral position became completely blurred. Yep. Not surprised by that at all. Um, And here was one way that you could call someone out for uh, not having good posture. This was when uh, they started doing plum lines. Oh, I know those. Wait, hold on. I know those from construction. Exactly. So a plumb line is like a weight on a line, mm-hmm. and you drop it down, right? And you can see, it's like a level, right? Where you can see if the thing at the top is leaning away at the bottom, right? Exactly. Because in a perfect world, it drops and hangs straight down and hits the point that's directly below it. But if it's leaning, right, then mm-hmm. you can see as it grows wider, because it's always going to hang straight down. That's how gravity right. works. And so by using a plumb line, you could see exactly where their spine was not straight oh, enough. Boy. And it the, became, Your spine's not supposed to be straight. That's it. It became medicalized. So this whole thing about posture equaling morality, also equaling medical prowess. Ugh, right? Equaling health. Equaling health. Right. Exactly. I want to talk so much more about this, but first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? We want to say thank you to Bombas. I've said it before. I say it again. I love Bombas. I'm wearing Bombas socks right now. Ooh. I'm uh, to be fair, I'm almost always wearing Bombas socks. Not gonna lie, I usually walk around to bare feet. That's but. true. You don't. You don't. Wear, but when you do wear socks, I. Actually, I really love the Bombas t-shirts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Super soft, nice and stretchy. Love it. Listen, I don't know if you can tell, folks, but we're a big fan of Bombas. And it's not just the clothes. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever. That's part one. And match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving someone in need. Yeah, like we said, you got comfortable t-shirts, underwear, socks, great. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, right? Great. And socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. And that's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So go to bombas.com slash schmanners and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Get yourself something. And donate to someone who needs it. 
you're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. I'm Lisa Hanawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses, hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all every other week on maximum fun okay we were talking about it became especially with med- okay did you so- ever see those videos by the way i i think i only know about these through mst3k i don't think i ever actually saw them but where they would like project like a light and it would make a kid's shadow on the wall and then they would like trace the kid's shadow so they could point to it, like teachers would point to it and be like, mm, do you see your posture, little Timmy? And like then they could point to like, who had the best posture in class because oh. of how straight their shadow was or whatever. No, as I if kids need it. another reason to say like, hey, your posture's not as good as mine, Timmy. I'm posture king and you're a real posture dud. And you go home and they're like, how was school, little Timmy? Like, I got bullied about my posture, dad. <laughs> I did get my spine checked for scoliosis a oh couple times. That's, hey, I'm here to say, I think that's a fine practice. <laughs> I think that's a wildly different thing yes. than, than judging kids in front of their peers. So to review, posture was officially medicalized and it became a bigger deal because it's one thing if you slouch because it's comfortable. But now, instead of just being lazy, everyone was worried that you actively had no interest in your health. Oh, boy. This, this, uh, can I tell you, and we're going to keep talking about it, but the thing that's like tripping me up about this is I do think that there is a realm in which having good, quote unquote, having correct i don't know posture thinking about posture right unquote good posture well but like it's one of those things where it's just like oh you piled all this stuff onto it and made the concept bad Mm -hmm. but i know a lot of like maybe it's from acting of like how much better you feel like confidence wise right there is a certain amount of like standing up you know that this kind of feeling of like it can be really invigorating to like stand out straight and like present and have this like bold thing as opposed to like collapsing in on yourself. Maybe it's completely mental, right? Well, no, because if you are constantly collapsing in on yourself, you're probably not breathing very easily. It's probably difficult for you. But to allow your chest to expand, 
you do need to have a certain type of openness to to your shoulder cavity, to your chest cavity, all that kind of stuff. So like it makes sense in the way of everybody being their best self, but everybody's best self is is different. Yeah, I think that in general, the thing that I have learned in my uh, long, long, terribly long life, I'm only 38, don't worry, is that like when it comes to <laughs> like human bodies saying that there is one ideal of anything is so misinformed and harmful, right? To say like, if you just do this, you're it's right, mm-hmm. right? Or if it looks like this, it's right. Is like, oh no, if anyone tells you that, they're wrong, right? That's the wrong way to think about it. Cause it's what's best for your body, what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And like that idea of like, if you just do this, then you're the healthiest. <laughs> like that's we all that's, know that's not that's how that works. Um, so by the 1890s, people were pretty over it. Yeah. Uh, so before everything was super uncomfortable, clothes, furniture, all very straight backed, right? Because of this whole thing of upstanding citizens. Right? This makes so much sense to me, by the way, because I know that where we're heading into is like flapper time, yeah. Where what you got was a lot of like more or less shapeless, like kind of rounded, like it wasn't like fitted thing. It was like loose suits and like loose dresses that could move around. And it was Mm -hmm. more about like movement and being loose. Sure. Than it was that like prim and proper, hold yourself up straight, have like the corsets and the like three piece suits that are like close fitted to you that showed it. It was Mm -hmm. a lot more like comfort and flowy. And furniture changed as well. Uh, there's a very distinctive style. The Chaise Lounge, baby. Yeah. Uh, the idea of comfort was starting to be embraced, at least, you know, by the upper classes, mm-hmm. who at this point could afford comfortable things. Yes. And illegal hooch. I mean, in the U.S. Sure. But this was a worldwide phenomenon, just okay. so you know. Okay. Okay. Um by the way, if you couldn't pick up on it, I don't know if I've ever even talked about it. My love for just the idea of the chaise lounge is, <laughs> and I think it's from working in theater so long, is there something about like being a set designer or being like, a, you know, a, 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 any kind of like tech person and getting the chance to like add a chaise lounge to a show? Because like you inherently know like it's going to get used, right? Because like you never put a chaise lounge on stage and then it never gets like a dramatic moment or somebody flopping onto it. Like you put it there like it's going to get used right and it's such a wonderful i i once had this conversation with uh who is now a friend of mine named matt and he was young and he just started working at csc and he was like hey travis you're pretty old (laughs) do you have any like acting tips what you're acting i said matt (laughs) let me tell you matt if you were on stage and you have a chance to sit down take it it's like human beings love sitting down Right? Everybody loves to sit or down. Or leaning. On, or lean. If there's nowhere to sit down, lean. I said, especially if there is a freeze coming up and you're going to have to be frozen in a position long enough, sit down. And then the next show he was in, we were in together. And I kept making eye contact with him as we'd both sit down on things. And after like we'd done the buying, he was like, you are absolutely right. It feels so like human and normal and comfortable to just sit down. Because when you're on stage, sometimes you think like, oh, I need to be active. It's like, no, everyone loves sitting. Sit as much <laughs> as you can. And then you introduce a chaise lounge, which is as close as you can get to laying in a bed without a bed there. It's great. All right. So like a lot of cultural swings, there's always going to be people who want to drag it back to the way it was or move it in a progressive manner. We've talked about there's always kind of like a 
culture and a counterculture, yeah. right? And I have to imagine, I mean, if we're talking about the the impact that the military had on it mm-hmm. going into mm-hmm. World War II, which is like this huge, I mean, even World War One, I, I guess, but like these two world wars within decades of each other. Right. Another boom in soldiers coming home and there's like deep respect for the military mm-hmm. and wanting mm-hmm. to like idolize that and see it in kids' toys. And then once again, we head into the Cold War where that idea of we're going to be better than them. So our posture has to be strong and you can duck under this desk. So what ended up happening is although all of those things, yes, but the swing towards, well, you don't have to stand completely up straight and nobody's spine is all straight. And why are we even worrying about all this stuff? Swung back to it's about the children. Uh-huh. Think uh-huh. about the health of your child. Yeah. How will they grow? On how straight their spines are. So, okay, everyone. By the way, cigarettes, totally cool. Totally fine. Posture, though? <laughs> so, posture, uh, it was argued, good posture would make children happy, well behaved, and healthy, right? But it just sounds like another way. I mean, not yeah. to me, that it's another way to just correct children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It gives you a thing. When we talk about, I don't know if you guys can tell, but this is apparently a sensitive issue for me, which I didn't know before we started this. How, this could, you, how could you have how known? How could I have known? But when we talk about like it being an excuse to correct someone, mm-hmm. right, in the military, and then we move that to like school, yeah, it's an excuse to get the kid in line, right? And there's a thing I think about now as like a parent of like how often when I was a kid, especially a kid with ADHD, was it just like looking for an excuse to tell me I was doing something wrong to quote unquote teach me instead of just being like, that's what he, one of my Travis fav- can't sit down in his chair. He won't stay sitting. This is very true. One of my favorite teachers in high school. I've heard this. my English teacher in 10th grade who let me just sit on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like when I would come in, I'd be like, I don't like sitting. And she was like, it's fine. And we'd push the desk over to the side and I would sit on the ground and just lay the papers I was working out around me on the ground. And I could pay so much better attention. I wasn't squirming and I was like so much more comfortable down there. And like those memories to me are, like, so much more informing than, like, the time someone told me, like, for the 1,000th time to sit up straight or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it became a, quote, crusade in American public schools to assess, photograph, and correct students' postures upon enrollment. Um, I mean— Hey, should we teach kids sex ed? No, no, no. Way better idea. Posture. <laughs> Um, And it was at this point, when it moves into schools away from people who are medically trained, it turns more into posture could be used to dehumanize children Mm -hmm. who are acting out. Yep. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, And it became a big issue down the line as far as, like, privacy practices and things like that. Um, There were lots of photographs found in archives of Ivy League schools under the idea of posture correcting, right? And that kind of, like... uh, the body autonomy. Wait, was it taking pictures of people in, in undress? Mm-hmm. Ugh. There was a lot of body autonomy that was compromised in the name of health, right? Yeah. Which, unfortunately, still happens a lot. And once again, man, it's like I said, I think that there is a direct connection between 
the bullying that everybody like is expected. Like it's just like, oh, bullying is part of school. When you have teachers that are calling kids out in front of their peers about this stuff, about like you give this chance to correct someone not based on like behavior or like learning, but just about like their bodies Mm -hmm. and like the chance for like when you get into man, when I was a kid, we had all this stuff about like uh, jump rope for heart and how active are you and how physically fit are you Mm -hmm. with the physical fitness test. It's all of these things of like you kids see adults like calling kids out for their bodies. And it's like, yeah, man, you don't see how that might be leading to like a bully culture where like you are putting condoning commenting on people's bodies and ability to do things mm-hmm. um so the association of posture and morality continued uh once doctors got really involved uh you know all in the sake of kids health right um and so they were Suddenly, these pro-posture doctors were drawing lines from medical history to the moral code, right, based uh, on literally no evidence. So a complete all. repetition of history, right? Well, like, so and we're back to it. Instead of a cultural thing where, like, the upper classes kind of poo-pooed the lower classes for not having good quote good posture saying that oh well they are they're nobodies and they're obviously beneath us and oh so now it's about good and bad of like oh he's a bad kid look how he slouches exactly Uh, and it was medicalized so a doctor was saying this to you and suddenly it had a lot more weight than that you know stuffy librarian or whatever right and you can see this too just like I said it but nothing against librarians no librarians you're great stereotypical like the, you know. the type. Um, but like that idea of like I said slouch and slouch once again became like a like synonymous with like lazy and bad, right? Like, oh, that kid's a real slouch, right? That mm-hmm. guy's a real mm-hmm. slouch, a real slacker because they right. don't stand up straight. God forbid. <laughs> um, and so this kind of like weaponization of spinal curvature Continued until like the early 60s when all of a sudden it pretty much just stopped. Yeah. Hippies, I guess. I I guess there was a I mean, there was a virtual disappearance, a posture talk from the moral medical and the child rearing discourse. It's kind of unclear why this well, idea there was suddenly... a lot more going on in the 60s if you uh, think about yeah. it a lot of distracting stuff in there but everybody just all at once kind of like dropped the idea that quote good posture made you a better person and mm. i i mean maybe all the old victorian grandmothers died of old age maybe uh i mean i wonder i it also probably there were some parents who got together and was like hey have you noticed how we're like Turning our kids into hippies by <laughs> by talking about their posture, like we're kind of uh, we're kind of pushing kids away about this whole posture thing, and maybe we should just drop it yeah. and instead say like, "Hey, how are you? Are you having a good day? Do you have anything you're concerned about that you want to tell me?" Maybe that's better than like just yelling "stand up straight" over and over again at a child. Um. So 
It'll probably never actually go away uh, because, you know, there'll always be physiotherapy textbooks that'll talk about it a little bit. Or And there is a, like, right way for your body to be stacked. Like, I, I can feel myself. I sit at my desk, right? And if I start to hunch over, right, and I notice, like, oh, I'm tensing up my shoulders and I'm, like, hunching over. And if I just, like, kind of roll them back and notice I'm doing it, I feel so much better. But it's not like, oh, lock it here, tighten this, straight, mm-hmm. like, and you'll live 40 years longer or whatever. I mean, now, though, at least there are more sophisticated, like, terms and actual real medical tests that can yeah. be done to determine whether or not a patient actually needs to have their spine examined, right? Right. Um, so it's it's not that people who are, you know— quote, lazy and doing everything wrong. Yeah, we don't associate it. Yeah, Yeah, we don't associate it with morality anymore, which is great. Or at least we shouldn't. But. Don't know. Like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there is a kind of like wellness craze. Okay, we had a question about this. We had a question about this on one thing, right? Mark. Uh, two zero zero four four said, "Quote: I remember seeing a poster at a chiropractor's office for something called. I think it's been a while, but called rolfing. Is cool. this a thing? And is it helpful or snake oil? And so then, uh, I googled rolfing. Mm-hmm. I just googled the word. There's a direct quote, uh, straight from Wikipedia. Does rolfing really work? The principles of rolfing contradict established medical knowledge, and there is no good evidence rolfing is effective for the treatment of any health condition. It is recognized as a pseudoscience and has been characterized as quackery. So that's so what, what Wikipedia says. But what, what I is I have no rolfing? idea. I hope it has to do with the puppet from The Muppet Show. <laughs> Let me see. What is rolfing? But At first I saw that and I thought, like, Frisbee golf? It's not that, though. Anyway... It's now generally accepted that if you don't have pain or fatigue, your your posture is probably fine. Do you need some neck support when lying down flat? Probably, yeah. Is it a good idea to always sit slumped over in, in a stuffy chair or to, like, like, spend your life in a bucket seat? No, it's probably not a good idea. But both of those things, all of those things— to take into one extreme or the other will cause discomfort and fatigue. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm looking, by ways. the way, I'm not stalling. I'm trying to find, like, what is it? And a lot of things are like, essentially, it's reconstructing the blah, 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 but it doesn't actually say, like, it's this, right? It's mm-hmm. just going like, ah, oh, why? It's a simple process, blah, blah, blah. And then it just goes into jargon. I'm like, that's not it. There are some ways that you can improve your spine health. You uh, Stretching, just stretching can really help. Using all of the different muscles around your spine in different ways every day. Keeping it rigid and straight really doesn't help at all. It's about ease of movement. There's just like some... it doesn't help to like keep your muscles clenched all the time. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, totally. Uh, there are great yoga postures. There's a technique called the Alexander Technique, which is about uh, releasing and allowing and kind of finding a relaxed, but um, it's not just about relaxing. It's about ease of movement, right? Um, So then listen to your body and pay attention to how your back feels. Yeah, there you go. If it feels bad for what you're doing, don't do that. There you go. Uh, We got a couple other questions. Can we hear them real quick? Um. Sticky Dylan, <laughs> Sticky Dylan asks, 
if you have a friend with terrible posture, is there a good way to give them advice? Um, Do they unless, want it? Unless they're asking for it, don't give them advice. But I think that if a friend who has a more curved spine than you think is is appropriate, you can ask them how they're feeling. Hey, man, how's your back doing today? And I, I think more than posture, focus on if you notice they're like hunched a little bit more and slouching a little bit more, asking about it. But this is a thing, being in high school, I used to correct Griffin all the time because Griffin would like jut his head forward mm-hmm. like a tur- and just like sink like a turtle and sink his head down a little bit. And I would just like put two fingers in the center <laughs> of his forehead and just like, because gen- here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. Griffin is taller than me. And you wouldn't guess that because he like hangs his head over. And I would just go, and push his head up. But I only ever did it when it was like time for like a school dance and we were doing pictures or something where I'd be like, just if you would just hold your head there for the picture. Okay, go back to it. Um, but I think that the that the real thing is ask them how they're feeling. If you say to someone, how are you? And they say, oh man, my back hurts. You say, well, I mean, you're, you are kind of hunched over. Yeah. Do you want to do some stretches or yeah, something? Yeah, let's roll our shoulders. Out. If you're working like in an office with somebody and you've been sitting there from like, hey, let's roll some, so let's open up, guys, and make it about everybody and not just about them. Sure. Uh, never give unsolicited back rubs. And I shouldn't have to Mm-mm. say that in the year of our Lord 2022. But <laughs> um, this is, uh, we got one here, Chedva. Uh, asks, is it more correct to sit with your derriere on the back of the seat with your spine touching the chair back or all the way forward the front, engaging your core? Whichever one. Now, I will say recently, I have been trying to consciously sit with my core engaged, not having nothing to do with my posture, but more about the fact that I pick up two human sacks of flour every day (laughs) in the form of my children. And I'm trying to make sure I don't let muscles that I don't normally use atrophy to the point where I go to pick them up one day and go, oh no, (laughs) and collapse over. So I sit trying to engage my core so I can stay strong enough to still pick them up when they're like 12 or whatever. So it's more about the using of the muscles than it is about where you're sitting and where you're, what you're touching your back to or whatever. Now here's what I will say. I will give a caveat here. There's a difference between posture and I would say body language. Where if I'm sitting at a table with friends, right, being engaged and present and like leaning forward and like looking at everybody versus like leaning back in the chair and like slouching down or like staring at my plate or whatever, that has nothing to do with posture, right? So if we're talking about like how you sit, there is looking engaged and like being present versus like I am disengaged and uninterested in this. But as far as like engaging your core, you should use appropriate muscles to support your own body. Right. Absolutely. Because the other side of that, too, is you know, like if I was lounging around with friends watching a movie and there were like four of us and three of us are like lounging comfortably and one person is sitting <laughs> rigid, I'd be like, they're going to kill all of us. That person is secretly a murderer this whole time. Why are they sitting like this? Why are you friends with them? I know. Well, I'm not. Derek brought him. I don't know that guy. Wait a minute. Who's Derek? I don't know Derek either. How did they get in my house? What's happening? Who are these people? Uh, Thank you, everybody, so much for doing us. And you know what? I would say that this episode, uh, because we talked a lot about, like, medical and how it, like, crosses over into people judging medical and morality at the same time, if you enjoy that, make sure you check out Sawbones, also on Max Fun, hosted by my brother and sister-in-law, Justin and Sydney McRoy. It's absolutely wonderful. And their show is to our show. I would say, like, where we do a lot of, like, society and etiquette, theirs is, like, medicine. So, like, if that is an interest of you, make sure you check that out. Concept adjacent. 
Yes, I would say sister shows, how I think we've referred to it in the past. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and check out all the other amazing shows on Maximum Fun. And if you're like, hey, everything about this bummed me out, go check out Wonderful that Griffin <laughs> and Rachel do. And it'll make you happy. I haven't mentioned it in a while, but I have a Twitch channel. If you are interested in that kind of thing, um, I play video games on it, but that's kind of secondary to just like a chill hang. Um, it's twitch.tv slash the Travis McRoy. Um, let's see, go over to McRoy.family and check out all the other amazing shows there. You can go to MacroyMerch.com to check out the new January merch, including our pin of the month. You can go to, let's see, what else? To, oh, thank you to Alex, our researcher, without mm -hmm. whom we wouldn't be able to make this show. And thank you to Rachel, our editor, who also helps us make this show uh, indispensable, those two. What else do we normally say, Teresa? Well, we always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's where we got all of our, our listener-submitted questions for this episode, uh, at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to get and give excellent advice to other fans of the show, go ahead and join that group today. Um, we are listening for those idioms that we're we, also we listening for do. a lot of things. So if you're trying to sneak <laughs> up on us, we heard you coming a mile away. And Alex reads every single email. So say hi to Alex at uh, schmannerscast at gmail.com. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. 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 Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.